Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. Hey, guys. And this week, we are joined by Victoria Clark. Hi, Victoria. Thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Victoria. I'm a pilot and flight instructor based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I occasionally make TikToks and like to embarrass myself on the internet. We love it. Thank you so much, Vic, for joining us. You, you okay? Do you like Vic, Vicky? I feel like Vicky's more fun. I'm definitely more of a Vicky person. I I don't know why, but I just don't vibe with Tori at all. But like anything else is fine. Vic, Vicky, Victoria. Okay. It's all cool. All right. Well, I love Vic. So if you hear me shout that out a few times, I hope you're cool with that. But yeah, so thank you for joining us today. We are so stoked to have you on. I've been really, really looking forward to this recording because as always, we are going to be discussing aeromedical issues as well as the FAA's standards. But we're kind of going to be switching lanes today and talking about something that's pretty close to home for me. And we're kind of going to be talking about physical health when it pertains to your medical. So I'm stoked to have this conversation with you today, but at the top of the show, we always ask all of our guests, where did your aviation journey begin and did somebody inspire you? Yeah, so I didn't know I wanted to be a pilot till a little bit later on, Um, but I grew up in aviation. My mom and dad both worked for Delta Airlines. My mom was a flight attendant and then she ended up going into marketing as her career and my dad... um, also worked at Delta doing a little part-time thing during college and ended up working there doing software development or something or other. No one know, no one ever knows what their dad does exactly, but he worked for Delta for like 20 years. Um, so neither of them were pilots, but my mom always wanted to be a pilot. She just wasn't encouraged to do it as a kid. Her parents didn't think it was the right choice for her. They said it was too manly and that there was no way she would be able to take care of a family if she was a pilot. So She kind of put that dream on the back burner, but always made sure that my siblings and I knew that we could do whatever we wanted. She would support us through anything. And as long as it made us happy, that was what was important. So it was really cool. And it was a really full circle moment when I actually decided I wanted to be a pilot because she didn't force the dream on me. I just kind of took it over from her. And so when I took my first discovery flight at 19, I was like, wow, I can do this. Yeah. I love that. I love that a, that like you're kind of carrying on this like family dream slash legacy. And also that you had this person in your life that encouraged you to go out and do whatever your heart desired. Um, I grew up in a household very much like that. My dad always told us, you know, shoot for the stars. It it sounds really shitty to say, but my dad always would be like, listen, I, none of y'all are allowed to be flight attendants because I know that you can sit in the front seat. Um, and he always believed we could. So we always strive for the best. We always had to hit the stars. <laughs> that was actually something that my mom, because, you know, my sister and I brought it up a couple of times because who doesn't want to do what their mom does? You know, being a flight attendant always seemed so glamorous. Yeah. And- made sure that we knew it was not as glamorous as you know it's made out to be it's really funny because I have an identical twin sister and now she's a flight attendant for Delta Airlines and so Uh, it's really uh, cool that you know one of us became a flight attendant 
That's, that's crazy. That's so nuts. My mom was a flight attendant and then, you know, my dad being a pilot and everything. So I can definitely relate to both sides. I yep, love that you cool. and your twin are both doing aviation stuff too. That's cool. Yeah. And I actually, so when I took my discovery flight, she took a discovery flight as well. Um, but she really didn't have any interest in being the one flying the plane. She really likes travel and, you know, likes airplanes but she didn't want to be in control of it until she became a flight attendant and realized she didn't like sitting in the back of the bus. And so <laughs> I just recently started teaching her how to fly. She's working on her private license. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Um, fun fact, I'm also a twin, Vic. I have a twin brother, though. Wait, did you tell me this? What? I don't, I don't think I did because I didn't realize that you had an identical twin until I literally told Emma this before we started recording with you. I was like, did you know that Toria has an identical twin? Because I, I was just scrolling through your Instagram feed to kind of see like what you were into and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys look literally exactly alike. Yep. Yeah, we're identical. We're like the exact same person. So it was kind of weird that she didn't want to be a pilot because we've always done everything together. But don't worry, I convinced her. Yeah, that's awesome. Me, I, I get asked the question if I'm an identical twin, even though I have a brother. So um, it's interesting. That I people think people that. don't, yeah, I think people don't really know how it works, but you know. Well, it's impossible to be an identical twin if you're a boy and a girl, because identical means identical. <laughs> um. So anyways, <laughs> moving on, that I think that's such a fun fact, though, about you that you're an identical twin, and and really amazing that now you're you're training your sister. That would be a very unique experience and very fun to do. Um, but I kind of wanted to let our audience know how we met you. So it was really just happenstance that we uh, came upon and met Victoria. We were trying to meet up with our former guest, like Captain Morgan, um, or Morgan, as most people know her. Um, she she was in the same spot as Victoria. So we started talking about the Pilots Pandemic podcast. I think uh, Cooper, the pilot, was there as well. She had asked about it. And when we were explaining it and talking about uh, special issuance process, Victoria was there and she was like, oh my God, I know all about this. And we were like, oh my gosh, like we've never actually told our story where someone in the audience was like, dude, um, raising their hand and saying, hey, I've been through the process. So I honestly think it was kind of like an aligning of the stars because I'm very woo totally. with that. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you if you can share with us what happened that forced you to go down the special issuance pathway. Yeah, sure. So a little bit of backstory. I was born with congenital heart defects um, typically when you have identical twins, one will have some sort of defect. It just tends to happen that way, um, based on how, you know, you form in the womb. And so I was born with congenital heart defects, but not anything too crazy. At least they didn't realize for the first couple of years, how bad it was. Um, I ended up having four heart surgeries. The first one was when I was five. The second one, I was six. The third one, I was 11. And the last one, I was 12. And they, through those four surgeries, fixed all of my congenital defects. And since I've been, you know, since that last surgery, when I was 12, I've been completely healthy. I've had a completely clean bill of health and no limitations on exercise or anything. And you kind of, after a while, just kind of forget all that happened. 
And so when I started flight training, when I was 19, I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I knew that I had to get a medical, but I didn't think there would be anything that would raise any flags. And so I waited until a week before I was supposed to solo and applied for my medical and immediately red flag, red flag, red flag, because I put that I had congenital defects. And so the FAA came back with a letter. Of course, it was a letter. It's always a letter sent in the mail, snail mail. We love it. And they wanted me to get all these tests done and give them every single record I'd ever gotten um, from any hospital that I'd ever visited, which was quite a few hospitals. And the entire process took over a year just to get my medical and it's a special issuance. So every year I have to go back and get all these tests done again. And it's honestly just a nuisance. And it's really, I can't, I can't even say it's really depressing because then the FAA is going to be like, oh, you're depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Be careful. Tread lightly. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I kind of want to go deeper into this process with you because in our conversation that we had prior to recording, I like my socks were literally blown off my feet. Some of the things that you were telling me, the requirements, the hoops that you had to jump through. And it really reminded me of a lot of the stuff that my dad had to do when he was trying to get his medical back after he had one of his stints placed. So what were some of the requirements that you had to fulfill to gain your SI medical? And can you talk about like the reactions that you got from a lot of the doctors? Yeah. So When I applied for my medical at this point, I wasn't under the care of a cardiologist at all. And I hadn't been for years because I'd almost kind of graduated from the pediatric program. And so I went back to my pediatric cardiologist with this whole list of tests that the FAA wanted him to order. And he looked at me like I was crazy because one, I wasn't his patient anymore. And two, the tests were so incredibly unnecessary and invasive that he felt like it would do me more harm to order the tests than it would for me to just, you know, not do them. And so he refused to order the tests. They asked for an MRI, a CT scan, a nuclear stress test, blood work, EKG, echocardiograms, the works, along with a letter vouching for me and for my health saying that I'm healthy enough to fly an airplane. And he said, the best I can do is write you a letter. And at the time I was like, surely the FFA will see reason. And, you know, if my cardiologist is explaining to them that I don't need these tests, they'll listen. And so he wrote them a letter and they came back and said, nah, you got to get these tests done. And I was like, okay, you know, Dr. Sally was my doctor. I loved him. He was fantastic. But I told him, hey, they told me I really need these tests done. And he said, I'm really not comfortable ordering those tests. You need to find a different doctor if you really are set on doing this. And so I, he gave me a couple of recommendations for a clinic in Atlanta 
that has an adult congenital program because it's a relatively new field. Um, it's kind of morbid to say, but basically children with congenital defects weren't living to adulthood. So it wasn't a really big field, um, but it's now growing more and more as technology advances and you know more of us are living into adulthood. And so he recommended a really great doctor to me. I was able to go, he didn't quite understand, but with a bit of convincing, and arm twisting, he ordered the tests for me. And I proceeded to get an MRI, a nuclear stress test, a CT scan, which a lot of them were really redundant tests. I don't know what exactly a CT scan is going to show that an MRI doesn't, but I digress. Um, got my blood work and got him to write a letter saying, you know, all my tests were normal. The only problem was for my nuclear stress test. And for anyone who doesn't know what a nuclear stress test is, Essentially, they hook you up to a bunch of monitors, they put an IV in you, they get you on a treadmill, and you run until you literally cannot go any further. Your heart rate gets up super duper high, and then they inject you with radiation, and then an hour later, they scan you in a big scanner. And that test is not designed for young, healthy people whatsoever. It's designed for old people with heart problems and I am not an old person and I don't have heart problems anymore. And so I couldn't get my heart rate up high enough for the test for them to inject the radiation because my legs gave out before my heart did essentially. And so they couldn't complete the test. So that was the one thing on the whole list that I didn't send back to the FAA. I said, you know, I couldn't complete the test. So it is what it is. And they came back with another letter a few months later, because again, everything was done through the mail. And they said, no, you absolutely have to take this test. And if you can't pass it, then that means you're not healthy enough to fly. And it was just kind of ridiculous. So what ended up happening is I did the test again. I got my heart rate up to like, I think 85% of the target heart rate because it was quite literally impossible for me to get my heart rate up high or as high as they were asking me to. And so um, I did the test as best as I could, got injected with radiation, and then sent them the results. And before they even got the results, I think they sent me back my special issuance. And so I don't even know if that first year they even looked at the results from that test, but I wasn't going to question it. So I just kind of went with it. But they've required that test every single year for the past five years. And for the past five years, I've complied and I've injected myself with radiation and suscepted my, you know, I've been susceptible to, I don't think that's the right word, but I've been yeah. made to do all these horrible tests and it just sucks. So yeah. I think three, oh, sorry, Maddie. I just wanted to, because I know my next question is like, what are some of the issues that you've had, but you've kind of pinpointed the issues of like the testing that you shouldn't you're not necessarily need to go through but can you tell us why what the doctor told you when they were putting you through the the stress test the nuclear stress test and why it's not good for you yeah I mean it's pretty straightforward radiation is just not meant to be pumped into your body especially not every single year you know even if I did have the heart problems that require a nuclear stress test, which I don't, and I never did. I never had, you know, an abnormal exercise test in all of my life, even when I had heart problems, but whatever. Um, 
people who do have those types of problems and have to get nuclear stress tests, they don't recommend you get them every single year. Because even for someone who's not healthy, it's not okay to be exposing them to radiation like that every single year. It's horrible for your kidneys. It's just, there's so many other complications that can come out of being made to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if you touched on that, but you had mentioned like you had to go and see or convince multiple doctors to do the stress test on you because they kept saying, this is not um, a requirement or something that I would do medically Yeah, for someone your age, right? Yeah. Um, um, I did have one question that I did not write down, but um, I just wanted to know, because I think it's good for our audience to know, um, if you're willing to tell us, like, how much did you spend on all of the testing for your for your first special issuance and now renewing it? How much do you have to spend? So it changes every year based on, I've changed insurance a few times and whatnot, Um but essentially I have to pay out of pocket for almost everything. The only thing my insurance will cover is the in-office visit because that's seen as a, you know, a necessity. I'm allowed to go and see a cardiologist once a year based on my history. And they see that as, you know, an okay expense, but because I don't actually medically need any of the tests and it's been noted in my file over and over again, that I don't need these tests done. The insurance refuses to pay for it. And so I have to pay for everything out of pocket. So the first year it was like $6,000. And every year since then, it's been a couple thousand dollars. This past year, I'm still waiting for the insurance to come back on part of it. But it's, I've already paid $2,000 just for the tests I got this past year. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad Maddie asked that question because that was going to be my next question for you. You know, how much have you spent? Does your insurance cover this? But we kind of cleared that up. So next question I wanted to ask you is what are, did you use any resources to help you navigate the SI pathway? And if you did, what, what did you utilize? So I didn't know of any resources or anyone who had had, you know, had gone through that special issuance pathway for a problem similar to mine. Um, one of my mentors and one of the instructors at my school, he had done a special issuance for, um, he had some eye problems, but obviously eye problems are very different than heart problems. And so his took a long time, don't get me wrong. And it was, you know, just as serious of a process for him as it was for me, but it was a completely different process. And so I didn't really have anyone who could guide me through that. And there weren't really any resources available for that. And so I was kind of just going blindly, hoping that I was doing the right thing, hoping I wasn't messing myself up. And I almost gave up a few times. It If it weren't for my flight instructor at the time, who then actually, I stopped training while I was going through this process. I took an entire year off from flying. The only time I flew was on my birthday when my instructor turned boyfriend, now turned husband, um, took me for a birthday dinner and we flew out to Athens. And so it was, it was really sad to go flying and without him, you know, pushing me along and telling me it was all going to be worth it. I would have given up so many times. Did he ever like say anything about the special issuance process or give you any like red flags? Did he know anything that about the special issuance process or were you both kind of like blindly going through it? Yeah. So he, you know, when I started my training, I didn't 
put in for my medical right away because I just assumed I could do it like a week before my solo and be totally fine. And he also thought I would do that because he didn't realize that I'd had any issues because I hadn't brought it up. You know, it's not, it wasn't something that I thought of often. And so it was, you know, partly my fault for never bringing it up, but also, you know, how would we have known? And hindsight is always twenty twenty. but he had no, oh, um, he had, sorry, my notification just popping off. Um, but he had no prior experience with special issuances like this. So he really didn't know how to help me. He just tried to support me as best as he could. Okay. Uh, did you ever like worry that you weren't going to receive it? Oh, for sure. I thought it was either going to go on and on for years that they weren't going to, you know, that they were going to keep asking me to get more and more tests done or that they were just going to come back and say no. And that was the one thing that Spencer, my husband always said was, well, at least they haven't said no. At least you haven't been denied because getting it back after you've been denied is considerably harder than you know, getting it in the first place. And so as long as I wasn't denied, I had that little bit of hope that it was going to get easier. And of course, I felt like the other shoe was always waiting to drop that I was about to get denied, but I just tried to be as hopeful as possible. Yeah. Talk about mental health. Damn, like the stress that like that whole process puts a person through too is just so like, I like, I don't know why, but I was just thinking about it. And I'm like, I, whenever I get like anxiety, like I feel like my heart starts racing and then I'm like thinking about you and like, you're like heart and then you're the stress. And I'm like, bruh, like I just, the whole situation combined is really sucks, but I'm so glad that you were able to get your medical back. It just sucks that you had to wait that long. Um, and putting anyone through that process, spending that amount of money is just, ridiculous but now that you've been through the SI process is there any advice that you would give to other pilots that are nervous or anxious about going down the pathway I know like you said your um husband had told you at the time you know like at least they haven't told you no was there any other thought that was kind of helping you sleep at night um not really I tried not to think about it I don't know if that's the healthiest coping mechanism but I just really tried to push it out of my mind because it was out of my hands and you know I could try as hard as I wanted but ultimately it's not my decision and I could scream and yell and kick as much as I wanted to but at the end of the day it was going to be whatever the FAA decided and so it was a bit comforting knowing that I just did the best that I could and it was out of my hands out of my control um but also, I don't know how I would have felt if the FA had come back and said no. I probably wouldn't have felt like, oh, well, that's their answer. You know, I would have been screaming and kicking and yelling. Yeah. Um, so now, as a CFI, I work for a flight school and we make sure that any student that comes in, they know that they need to get their medical first things first before they even start training. Because if there's anything that they have any doubts about it's better to get it out in the clear and open um with the FAA as soon as possible yeah I do think that's good advice too I have given that advice is like if you have anything that may be medically questionable I would definitely go and get your medical first before you even start your training because how bad is it when you're you're 40 hours deep and then you're like ready to to solo and ready to get your PPL. And then the FAA is like, nope, need more paperwork. 
And that process obviously takes a long time. So, I mean, it can take up to two years, especially if it's anything with your mental health. Um, But like as a CFI with, do you, have you gotten a chance to like mentor anyone or has anyone asked you for advice about um, going down that special issuance pathway? Yeah, I've had a couple of, you know, now close friends who have gone down the special issuance pathway for a multitude of reasons, um, none of them being heart issues, but it's definitely comforting knowing that other people have been there and, you know, understand how frustrating it can be to deal with the FAA and that it's, it's nice to see that other people have, like myself, have persevered and gone through it and it has paid off. And it's, I hope, motivational to my friends who have to go through that process. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to be like, am I motivating to you? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I hope I hope it, you know, helps people seeing. And that's why I try and share my stuff on TikTok and stuff. Like I say, you know, I embarrass myself on the Internet, but really I'm just trying to share as much of my own experiences as possible so that people understand that they're not alone in these processes and that someone else has been through it and made it through fingers crossed for the next you know 50 years I'll be okay but we'll see yeah I definitely would say that you have like an aura about you that's very positive and inspiring and motivating so know that If you're looking for a snack that packs a punch, look no further than Avinola, a granola that can be taken on the go and it's so versatile that it can be eaten as a snack or as a meal. We love Avinola because of its nutritional content. Lots of granolas have a high sugar content, but not Avinola. This granola is sweetened with monk fruit, so it actually doesn't spike your blood sugar, and it's a great option for those who may be diabetic or looking for a low sugar alternative compared to other granolas. I mean, what could be better than a granola that only has one gram of sugar? Not to mention it's keto approved. So that means it's only got one gram of carbohydrates. And this is because it's made with lupini beans. And y'all, I have to tell you right now, I would have no idea this wasn't made from a grain because it tastes so good. So go grab yourself a bag of Avinola at avi-foods.com and upgrade your granola fix right now. Use our code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your first order. Okay. Well, where can our audience connect with you, Vic? So I'm on TikTok. Um, let me actually pull up my handles because I don't know them off the top of my head. So my TikTok handle is at Pilot Victoria, no spaces or anything. And then my Instagram is victoria.sides s-i-d-e-s awesome awesome well we will link those in the description as well so if you didn't get it the first time head on down there and you will find those handles but we're about to move into our fun questions my favorite part of every single episode i'm so excited okay so the first question i have for you vic is what's the worst date that you've ever went on the worst date i've ever went on yeah Ooh. okay so that's a hard one because I actually 
only ever had one boyfriend and that's my husband. And so if I say the worst date I've ever been on, <laughs> this is my husband. <laughs> What's the worst date your husband's taken you on? Honestly, I, I don't, I can't say any of them have really been bad, you know, like sure. Some have been more fun and, and more exciting than others, but like any time that I spend with him hasn't been a bad time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You're lucky. Um, I'm still brainstorming my worst date, but Emma, do you have one? You yes. About? Yes. Okay. One came up really quick in the mind. Oh, um, so I can't remember how old I was. I was either 15 or 16, um, talking to this guy and like, we hadn't been talking for that long and it, you know, like young, young dating, we decide he's going to pick me up. We went somewhere to eat fine. We hit it off really, really well. The guy was extremely attractive. I was like, wow, he is cute. Like we are going places. We get back to my house and we're like, you know, going to go up into the bedroom to like hang out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, you know, you're just doing this awkward sit on the bed, kind of like, mm, like, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden he, like, we just start making out, right? Very awkward. We just start making out. Worst kisser I have oh, no. oh my god and then he would not stop making out with me we made oh, out no. for seriously probably an hour and then no words were exchanged then he just like kind of left awkwardly it was so fucking weird his <laughs> breath was not good his I kept feeling like a lot of teeth it was awful it was so awful <laughs> I'm so sorry that sounds absolutely horrible and if I had dated in high school I probably would have a story exactly like that so yeah no that that's really been the only bad one other than that I mean bless his heart like he was so cute and he drove like a really nice car and like had a great personality but like I legit could not date him because of the kissing because of that hour I couldn't do it. I couldn't get past it. And I wasn't about to teach someone. Mm -mm. Gave you the ick. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Give me the ick. Okay. What about you, Maddie? I was really racking my brain for a bad date. So and the only one I could think of, and I've had a lot of boyfriends. I'm, I'm the opposite of you, Vic. I've had many a boyfriend. So, uh, this, this one happened when I was working as a customer service agent um, here in Bellingham for Horizon Air. And my coworker asked me if I would go on a date with him. And I was like, sure, why not? I'll go on a date with you as like a courtesy because we were just on different levels. <laughs> but I didn't want to be mean. And I wanted to like, get to know him a little better. But I knew like, we're not gonna get together. Um, so I told him, yeah. Um, and he wanted to go on like a little ice cream date. No, I was like, oh, yeah, we could do that. So I meet up with him and we're chit chatting because he's easy to talk to. Um, but at the end of it, and mind you, we're only getting like Minchie's Froyo. Um, and we're going to pay and he's like, go, like, let's go Dutch half and half. And I was like, yo i just spent a whole hour with you like you asked me to come to this and you're not even gonna pay for my, for ice, my cream. ice cream yeah no. which i think like 
obviously some of our audience may not agree with this and they're like oh you know you're a woman you're a strong powerful woman you should be able to pay for yourself which is like fine but I have this thing about wanting a man to like pay for my shit so I think that may be my toxic trait um but that that was like not a good date for me I was that's not a toxic trait dude it is (laughs) it is common knowledge that if somebody asks you especially a man and if it's a date setting if they ask you to go somewhere with them they're paying for it and the fact that this man wanted to go half seas on ice cream (laughs) no I completely agree and I I also saw a TikTok recently and it kind of changed my mentality about this because I was kind of on the fence I didn't know like yeah, I guess it's okay. Like I'm a modern woman, you know, whatever I can pay for myself. But I saw a TikTok where a man was complaining about always being expected to pay on first dates and, you know, on dates and whatever. And a woman stitched him, stitched his video and commented back and said, oh, you have to worry about paying on the first date. I have to worry about being murdered on the first date. Yeah. Uh Yeah, that changed my whole outlook. So I don't ever want to hear a man complaining about having to pay for Froyo. Yeah, Yeah. I could see if it was like super expensive, like a really. But even then, I'm like, if you're gonna pick a fine dining place, better be able to pay for it. Like, it's kind of like going out to eat and being like, I don't understand why I have to tip. Like, that's required. Yeah, Uh, expectation. Well, it's like if you're in like a, we're all in like hetero, what's that called? Heteronormative like relationships. We're all Mm -hmm. sitting here as cis women who date men. And I feel like in those, most of the time in those relationships, the man kind of assumes the, has that like role, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've also seen relationships where it is the opposite way. There's a really powerful woman who works and gets on top of it. She's like the the alpha and the man is the sigma or whatever <laughs> that's called. I don't know. Some relationships are like that. And that's no shade to anyone like that. But I think for us, it's, and especially, I'm sorry, I really can't make it the excuse. I'm from the South. If you're not paying for my meal, we're not dating. You better open up my car door. You better open up the door for me. I'm your princess. You look at nobody else. You talk about nobody else. You talk to nobody else. I am the only one. Amen. <laughs> okay. Coming out. Okay. So we'll move on to our next question. Um, Cause I think we could probably talk about this all day, but Victoria, I know you're married, but this still like applies. Do you believe that you have a soulmate? I think that out of all of the people in the world, that there's definitely going to be one or a few that you just absolutely click with the most. But I don't really believe in like a soulmate because I think that it would be really silly to think that you, you know, out of all the people in the world, that your soulmate just happens to be, you know, your flight instructor or someone who lives <laughs> down the street from you. Like, what are the odds that that's that one person in the whole world? Do I believe that there are maybe a couple of people in the world who are just like the best suited for you? Absolutely. And do I think I got mine? For sure, because I wouldn't have married him otherwise. You know, it's not really um, heard of to marry your first boyfriend and 
you know, it's worked out great yeah. for us so far. So, <laughs> and it wouldn't have if we weren't meant to be together, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that answer. I feel like that's kind of along the lines that I I would say. Like, I, I, I obviously love my boyfriend and I plan on spending the rest of my life with him. But, like, there are so many different people that I've met throughout my life. Like, Maddie, I consider Maddie a soulmate. We literally met over this podcast. I interviewed her. And then we just... I don't, I, I don't even know how to explain it. We just hit it off so well. It was like the first time that we ever met each other in real life, not over the phone. It was like, I don't know. It just even further solidified that for me that like, okay, this is somebody who like, I don't know, they were put in my life for like a reason. This person's supposed to be here. I um, uh, agree. I'm along the same, same line of things. I think that we meet people, like Emma was saying, like we met at like such a opportune time and it like we just clicked and linked. And I think those types of situations happened for a reason. Um, but I do believe that you can obviously have, I don't believe in like soulmate more so that like your souls can connect, but with more than one person. Um, and I, I have lived it. I mean, my mom my my biological father died before I was born so my mom was five months pregnant with me and my twin brother and my dad had an aneurysm and he died um but she got remarried to my father-in-law um or my stepdad and uh they so she was married to my biological father for 16 years I think and then my stepdad for 14 years and both of those relationships for her were basically on the same level you know like she loved them both equally and cared for them and so I think it, it's just like you said like there's so many people that we can jive with with more than one person and I, I definitely agree with that so yeah. moving on last question what's marriage material for you even though I know you're already married Ooh, okay well marriage material for me has to include um airplanes <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I think just speaking um broadly I don't think that every single relationship requires you know a pilot but like for me I don't think I could have married someone who isn't also a pilot because there's just a different level of understanding of what my day-to-day -day is like and I understand what his day-to-day -day is like and so it's really nice to just have that automatic understanding of each other so I think that's important throughout any relationship is to have some sort of commonality and some sort of common ground to just be able to understand each other deeper. And it's just one less thing that you have to explain to them at the end of the day, you know, as long as there's one thing that you just get each other, then I think that's what's important. Yeah, I feel that. I'm trying to think marriage material for me, honestly, a big one for me is how you treat children. Like, um, one of my most, one of my other serious relationships that I was in prior to the relationship that I'm in now, um, he had a niece that was really, really young at the time that we started dating and the way that he interacted with her, like made me realize that there was no way that we were ever going to be married. Like, I was like, uh, you're not giving daddy um I don't <laughs> like the way that you treat her and it's kind of giving me the ick <laughs> yeah, I agree like I think that's definitely something that's important you know making sure that your goals align and if you want kids and you want you know 
to have a strong relationship with your kids and someone else does and that's a huge deal breaker for sure yeah yeah no but my my current boyfriend like I think that was one of the first things that made me realize like oh crap like this is actually a husband um was he has a a much younger sister than him and when we first started dating I think she was only like two she I think she was two or three years old when we first started dating and he at the time is 22 and like the way that he would care for his baby sister like his mom would go out or like do whatever she needed to do and he would babysit and it was like I have just never seen someone so compassionate and so tender. And it just like, I don't know, for me, I was like, wow, okay, like, I'm I'm keeping this one around. <laughs> love Zach. Yeah, he's, that's his name, Zach, Zachy. He's, he's really like the sweetest, softest boy, which is, for me, my marriage material. I'm like the Leo, I'm the fire. I need somebody who's like the clouds and the rain and like my foggy day. That's sack. <laughs> Emma needs a strong foundation, someone who keeps her even keel. We're both the same. Emma and I's um, partners are very similar in their personalities because um, we're so crazy. I think we are Virgo that. men. Our Virgo I, men. Oh my God, wait, stop. Spencer's a Virgo. No. <laughs> Aries. And so oh I'm my God, you're an Aries? Like- yeah, I'm kind of crazy. That. I need him to like calm me down a little bit. So it's really nice. Okay, yeah. well, guess what? You know why I met you and I was like, this is somebody who I could like just Netflix and chill with. You're a fucking Aries and I'm a Leo. Like we're lit like those are the the sister signs. Oh shit. <laughs> yes, girl. I knew there was a reason we vibed. <laughs> I, I love I, that. I didn't know you were chill like that. I know I didn't know you were chill like that. But Maddie, what's your I want to know like what's your marriage material because we're all kind of different in the sense that like I know I want to have kids. Maddie, you don't want to have kids. And Vic, okay. you're with a pilot. That's a big thing for you. So I'm curious Maddie's answer. Mine is like definitely not being a pilot. Um, when I met Jesse, because I met him on the ramp, he called for me to come out to the plane. I was not impressed because I had been working with pilots all the time. So pilots kind of have that reputation of being like a douchebag. So when I first met Jesse, I was like, okay, like I'm probably never going to see this guy again. Um, But what I really liked about him, it was, he was super down to earth. Like he did not flex about himself being a pilot, which is what I thought he would do. Um, And I really, for me, like um, intellectual conversations. So if you are boring, probably not going to be into you. I need like someone who's very smart. Um, And so my husband's probably loving this that I'm like oh he's so smart um but yeah I think that was a big thing for me and then also not being controlling I always had men tell me like what to do or who to be or how they want to see me try to fit me into a box and my husband was like the first man who loved like everything about me like he wasn't like you need to do this or that or stop this or that he was just like I love every aspect about you and we've been together for 10 years now and it's still going strong so another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay. And we could probably sit here and chit-chat for the rest of the afternoon, but... Judy calls. We'll set up another call for that. We won't yeah. that one. <laughs> Judy calls. Well, you're not too far away from me, Vic. So if you ever happen to find yourself in Charleston, please hit me up because I would love to take you out. Yes. Get a couple of drinks. Um, It would be a hoot. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on today and making the time. Thanks for having me. It's been really nice. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Again, thank you, Victoria, for joining us. Um, I can't really think of anything else that I want to close out on right now. We don't really have like any announcements or anything. I'm trying to think. Maddie, oh, is there but anything? I'm coming to see you soon. Oh, yes, <laughs> ma'am. Okay. So we we're going to do this when we were at sun and fun we got these little small microphones we were going to interview people and kind of do like a vlog style podcast but it didn't end up happening because maddie and i like to have too much fun when we're together (laughs) um so i think we're gonna do that this time around maddie is coming to visit me in charleston the 10th of may and i am so stoked so hopefully we'll have some content to share with you guys after that But yeah, I mean, that's it. If you guys don't mind, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps us spread our message far and wide and help people like Victoria and their story be heard. Because just like Victoria said, just like I said, just like Maddie said, it really helps to know that people have gone through this, what they did to get through it, and how they persevered. So again, thank you, Victoria. And as always, remember to keep the blue side up and the brown side down. We'll see y'all next week.